Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And my name's Yvonne Nydigger. I'm a six-year breast cancer survivor. I'm the patient outreach coordinator with Breast Friends, and I'm actually filling in for Becky Oson, who's out speaking in Georgia during this Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Way to go, Becky. Yeah, she's a busy girl this month. <laughs> um, our guest today is Rhonda uh, Joliff. Um, and Christine Doctor, co-founders of Rhonda, excuse me, NP. They will offer us some strategies to help with the effects of menopause. Boy, oh boy, I could have used that a few years ago, uh, including early onset chemo-induced menopause. Welcome, Rhonda and Chris. Hi, great to be here. This is Chris. Hi, Chris. Rhonda, Hi, you're there? Glad- yep, there glad you are. to be here. This is Rhonda. Great, great. Well, you know, it's so funny because um, when we heard from Chris um, at Breast Friends, we were so excited to reconnect because we've been friends for for a very long time uh, when you were part of the Coleman family here in the Oregon and Southwest Washington affiliate. And so it's so glad, you know, it's just wonderful to reconnect with you and then again talk about such an important um, topic today. Absolutely. You know, I was racking my brain to kind of figure out when our paths did cross. And I believe first was in 2005, we first partnered. I was leading the Komen affiliate in Oregon, and we partnered with Breast Friends. You guys were the co-survivor chairs for our large then Race for the Cure in Oregon. And then you were, we were... (laughs) You were grantees for us, and I just always was in such um, awe and appreciation of you ladies and the work that you do, as well as the big piece of what you do is an empowerment piece. And, you know, that so nicely dovetails into what Rhonda and I are starting with Rhonda NP, and we can talk about that later, but really it's that empowerment piece for women in wherever they are in their situation, and our target right now is menopause, and so I'm so glad to talk to you guys today, Um, and mostly Rhonda will be doing the talking, but it's really (laughs) wonderful, and we appreciate the opportunity. Oh, we're so glad to have you. So tell uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Rhonda. Okay, sure. A little bit about myself. I've been a nurse practitioner for the past 20 years, been in private practice for about 15 of those years, and my specialty is functional medicine and really in particular women's health and even breaking it down to bioidentical hormone. I evidently am an expert in this is what people are telling me. <laughs> anyway, I started, <laughs> I know, I, I, it's, it's always hard admitting to being an expert in anything, but I, I've been studying it for a long time, so I guess, I guess I fall under that category. Studied it got, about, oh, 1990. Hours. Excuse me? I said, you got your 10,000 hours, huh, to be an expert. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, in 1997, I had a uh, compounding pharmacist come to me, and he said, hey, would you be interested in learning about bioidentical hormone replacement? And I said, sure, what is it? So I really didn't know anything about it, didn't learn it, learn it in school, so I really spent 
the last 15, 16, probably 20 years now, um, studying on bioidentical hormone replacement and the research behind it and how I can help women with this. And so I've really learned that it's vitally important to treat women um, any time with hormone replacement, even if you're not doing hormone replacement, always keeping in mind the prevention of breast cancer whenever you're considering anything. Right. So I really look, yeah, and I really have always looked at women in two categories. Either we're preventing breast cancer or we're preventing reoccurrence. That absolutely makes sense. So tell me, this is a little bit off our topic because I know we were talking about it later, but just explain to me what bioidentical hormones really means. Sure. Bioidentical hormones are really exactly how they're um, termed, bioidentical. They're like our own biological hormones that we have circulating in our body versus more synthetic hormones that our chemistry is different than our own biological chemistry. So the chemistry of the bioidentical hormones are exactly like what we produce in our own bodies. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So when you're talking about um, natural strategies then, um, what are you recommending for breast cancer survivors? You know, it's such a great question when people use the word natural because in my book and over my years of experience, when I break down what natural really means, it really is a lifestyle. It's not just one thing. Everybody wants that herb or that oil or something (laughs) that's going to fix them. Yeah, (laughs) that's your number one thing. Well, it's my number one. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You know, my number one thing really is the basics of living. It's the lifestyle that we lead that makes the absolute biggest difference. And in the case of breast cancer, when you break it down on what actually happens in a woman in the in the whole realm of being diagnosed with breast cancer, obviously it's a very emotional piece as um being diagnosed with any cancer is, so there's that huge stress there, but it's also a major physical thing that goes on in your body. Not only is your immune system broke down, but you then, um, in many cases, are put on medication to deplete your estrogen so you don't feed that breast cancer. So women that are premenopausal that are diagnosed, they go through a huge hit because they literally have estrogen one day and the next day none. So it's, it's a really big physical stress in addition to the most emotional stress. So really helping your body manage that stress is probably the number one thing, number okay. one thing. Okay, that makes sense. I, I remember I was diagnosed at 40. And, um, you know, I had a very aggressive tumor and boom, boom, boom. I mean, things happen so quickly. And as soon as I had my uh, surgery, I ended up having a lumpectomy, then a mastectomy. And then, boom, I was into chemo. My very first chemo, boom, I was in menopause. And I had no discussion about that element at all. And... 11 years later, I'm still dealing with hot flashes, right? So, I mean, it was so annoying. I was probably more mad at the menopause piece of it than I was at the cancer piece because it (laughs) went on for so long. 
You know, thank you so much for sharing that because that is so true with the women I've worked with. You don't, you don't realize the menopause piece that comes with it. And you're 40 years old and a 50-year-old gets to go through it nice and natural, whereas at 40, when you're diagnosed, you're in it immediately. It's now. It's not a gradual process. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm kind of the opposite end of the spectrum because I was diagnosed uh, just right before my 50th birthday. Woohoo! That's a fun way to celebrate your 50th birthday. And I had gone into menopause early. So at the time that I was diagnosed, I was virtually postmenopausal. But I used to laugh because as I was going through originally and the natural way, I had very few hot flashes. I was one of those women who was very fortunate. And other than a few minor side effects, I actually was going through really skating through, as my girlfriends like to tell me. And it wasn't until I went on the hormone replacement after I was done with my treatment that I went full blown menopause symptoms. So I got a do-over. Yeah. (laughs) So there's lots of different ways that that we all deal with this. So it's wonderful to be able to have this conversation very openly and and to be able to talk about these hormone changes because they can affect us emotionally, physically, in, in so many different ways. It's so true. And when you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, everybody's worried about your cancer, you know, but yet the quality of life issues, many of them come off of your symptoms of menopause that you're forced to go into. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, there's definitely some uncomfortable uh, symptoms of menopause. And I know just, just going through that, that energy supply that's like immediately gone uh you know between the sexual uh pieces of that puzzle as well as hot the obvious ones the hot flashes and you know some people get very irritable and don't forget the weight gain oh and the weight gain oh my <laughs> gosh that's so true i mean i gained like 25 pounds like boom it what was like it they call it the menopause <laughs> oh, yes, that's probably true. So what what are the biggest challenges that you hear from your patients? Well, you kind of covered the, the biggest, you know, the low energy. The weight gain is always an interesting concept because you've just gone through chemotherapy and you think you're going to lose weight. And, <laughs> in fact, because you hit menopause uh, so quickly, the weight gain comes on very quickly. So, yeah, 25 pounds is a real typical weight that people will gain quite quickly if, you know, when things are out of control like that. But certainly the low energy, the hot flashes is one thing that not every woman experiences. Um, some women it's miserable, but really across the board what I hear a lot of is uh, their quality of life issue becomes around the intimacy because their lack of sex drive. And when you don't have estrogen, the vaginal walls become very thin and intercourse can be very painful. And that is a life-changing thing in itself. Yeah, for sure. That's ugh, that's that's a biggie. And and I, unfortunately, not all your doctors are willing to have those kinds of conversations. Luckily, Breast Friends is pretty open about all those things. And so, you know, if you want to go there, we'll go there. Oh, I can go there. <laughs> I know. I can I tell. It. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. I do it every day. <laughs> 
and you know, Rhonda, you touched on something earlier that I think is uh, really important is we all look for a magic pill when we're talking about dealing with menopause, but really there's a lot of risk factors that come along with the, um, the time period when women are going into menopause, whether it's uh, through breast cancer or naturally, that we all need to be aware of. What are some of the, the, the risk factors that we could eliminate from our lifestyles? Oh, absolutely, and that's just such a great point because that's really where I start because if you don't really work on your lifestyle, giving you a pill or something that might just help your symptoms could actually put you a little bit more in danger. So you have to be real cautious with some of this stuff. So, yeah, smoking obviously comes off, um, you know, you just really need to look at quit smoking. Um, obesity has been shown that uh, puts you at an increased risk for breast cancer as well, and so that would be fall under reoccurrence as well. Physical activity is a really, really big deal. Um, one of my favorite um, studies out there in 2011, the Medical Oncology Journal put out, it was a meta-analysis of six studies of over 12,000 women, and they looked at physical activity and those that exercised after breast cancer, 34% um, decreased their risk for breast cancer death oh. and 24% of reoccurrence. Those are some wow. big numbers, and it was a big meta-analysis. So, you know, I really, really hammered down. You just have to exercise. It's so important for your health and prevention. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it doesn't matter what um, you're trying to uh, avoid. You know, it just seems like it's the holy grail of all existence is you've got to get up and move. You've got to get your body, uh, you've got to get your heart pumping and everything going. So seems like just good advice for all of us to follow in life in general. Well, and that's exactly right. We should always be doing it. Uh, when you're faced with breast cancer, there's a lot of things that's out of your control. And physical activity is one thing that can be in your control. Sure. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You know, and and something that I was reading about when I was looking at your website is you're a really strong advocate of the um, positive effect of positive attitude. I I love the therapy, the cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and and it seems like, you know, at Breast Friends here is that something that's very near and dear to our heart is trying to instill in our women a sense that um, we have control over our emotional state and to build a foundation there. Can you talk a little bit about the the therapy practice and, and how you see it working so well? Yeah, right. I do. I do refer to uh, cognitive behavioral therapists. I do refer to counselors if it's something you just can't obtain yourself. You know, we all, some people are real positive and it comes real natural and other people aren't. And in the case of breast cancer, it's extremely important after diagnosis to be positive and think of the good things. So I might give them some simple tools. I always recommend a gratitude journal. It's amazing if you write down three to five things every single day that you're grateful for, how it turns around your whole attitude and outlook on life. And so when you're, when you're faced with something such as breast cancer, you know, I always say it's kind of a big message. And so the message is clear, but we need to quiet 
and listen and really change our thought process if it's been negative up to that point. It's it's a really big deal, and it has to do with our biology and chemistry, not just that we want to be a happy person. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Which which we all do, and some people just comes more naturally than others. But it's actually a, a great opportunity in your life to become that positive person if you weren't before. Sure. Well, and the one thing that I've noticed, too, and, and I work on this myself and I try to pass it on to our patients, is, again, what you concentrate on, what you think about is is how you're going to carry on. So if you're thinking about what you've lost and all the negatives, guess what? You're going to go down that path. If you think about it from just a little different perspective, and we do that in our Thriving Beyond Cancer um, workshops and retreats, because again, trying to figure out the positives that come out of of a cancer diagnosis and treatment can be challenging at times. But again, they're there if you look at them. So, well, I hate to interrupt this, and we'll get right back to you guys, but we do need to take a short break. But before we go... We've spent some time on showing uh, on our show talking about palliative care and how important it is as a part of a patient's total care package. Did you know that Regions Health Plans offers the most comprehensive palliative care benefits, providing an added layer of support when you and your family need it most? So stay tuned with us. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. last time you felt free. It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about menopause with Rhonda Joliff and Chris Doctor, co-founders of Rhonda NP. So I just wanted to um, kind of go back and talk a little bit more about some of the things that you do. And I understand you're a licensed acupuncture therapist as well. Yes, I do do acupuncture for menopause, and um, it's kind of interesting because the place that the needles go for menopause are probably the most sensitive areas in the whole body. And I'm oh, like, really? Kidding? Wow, where, so, where are those? <laughs> uh, they're in the feet <laughs> and around the ankles, and so it's a very oh. sensitive area, but it actually, most mostly you do it down there for like hot flash management, and that's what a lot of women just come in for hot flash management. And I'll have women come in monthly to have that done. Some people just come in every three, four months, and it works. It, it really works, or I guess they wouldn't be coming back. The other right. thing you can do with the acupuncture is really balance out the whole body's adrenal system and making it calm because whenever we can calm down our whole stress response and adrenal system, it helps everything. Oh, well, that's oh, good. Absolutely. I, I love uh, one of the things that you, you specifically mentioned is your cool strategies. And I cracked up when I read this because if you could see my bedroom, you would absolutely laugh because not only do I have an air conditioner, I have a ceiling fan, and I have a window that's always opened. <laughs> so what's some of the thought processes besides setting your environment a little more conducive? <laughs> Yeah, those are those are great ideas, and I think every woman kind of figures this out. I think the hardest thing for a lot of women is when they're working with younger gals that are always cold in their offices. So <laughs> yeah. there becomes this this fight in temperature control. Uh, what's interesting is if you live just with your husband, um, over time as men age, they actually get cold. And so now that was a funny thing that God created that we get <laughs> hot as we get older and the exact opposite happens with men. So living um, quarters gets interesting as well as we age. Very true. My goodness. Absolutely. And, and uh, something that I'm learning a lot more about, and that's meditation. Maybe you can talk a little bit to the effects that meditation has had on menopause. Sure. Meditation is really, I look at it as a very broad term. It can be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be sitting with um, your fingers up in a, in a position that we envision as a meditative position. It can be something simple as just sitting in a chair and having some quiet time with the TV off, not talking on the phone, not even having your phone present, and just, you know, just taking kind of in the air that we breathe and just relaxing. It can be something as simple as that. It can be in prayer. Uh, it can be listening to music, really, and just, you know, letting that music be a healing piece of it. Um, but if you do, I usually recommend 20 to 30 minutes twice a day of some meditative state where you are just in a calm state. And that can be different for everybody. So you need to pick and choose what's 
working for you. And what it really does is the chemistry of the body, and there's a lot of research on this now, which is really cool. Uh, 20 years ago, there wasn't the kind of research that there is out now on some of these complementary type therapies. But really, it's putting your body's chemistry into a, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the calming system. So too much in our lives in America, we're in our sympathetic fight or flight. We're constantly on the go. And it's so important to just take that down, get into that parasympathetic nervous system, let your body calm so the cells of the body can actually heal. So it's very, very healing, and I do recommend this for everybody every day. You know, it's interesting, when I was going through my cancer, I was immediately forced into a more, um, I wouldn't say relaxed state, but I had more opportunities to just stop and do basically what you're talking about. And, you know, we talk about the fact that the cancer experience, though no one wants to have it, there's some silver linings that come out of it. And I think one of it is we do become more cognizant of the effect of resting our minds and controlling that stress in whatever way we can. So, you know, learning that prior to going through something like cancer or afterwards is an important tool. And now I'm going to throw you a curveball because this is a little bit more of a, I wouldn't say controversy, but this is a topic that we're always hearing about and talking about, and that is soy. And, um, you know, the fact that uh, is soy a natural alternative for menopause symptoms? And, and can you talk a little bit about soy and if it's okay for breast cancer survivors? Can I say no to this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is. So it's like, oh, gosh, they're going to ask about soy. I just know it. Um, the, the thing about soy, it is so controversial. And the reason being is soy in itself, there are some properties of soy. Um, they contain isoflavones, which are really a real weak phytoestrogen, weak in the, in the sense that they can be very safe, but yet they can be very powerful in that they, they do a lot for you. So the whole idea of soy, um, I would love for soy to be what it is, and it could be protective of the breast, and it could be safe, and it could be wonderful. Unfortunately, the controversy goes with those breast cancer women that are estrogen receptive. You know, should they be getting any stimulation? So the research just kind of keeps going back and forth, and we really don't have the answers on it, because what happens is any time that you take some type of phytoestrogen, it could go down a pathway that could be dangerous to you. Now, that pathway is in very few women when you look at the percentages, because the phytoestrogens really tend to go down a nice healthy pathway that actually can be protective. But there's those few little question marks in there. Ooh, does it, could it go down that way? And you know, in medicine, whenever we question anything, it's like we're fearful of it. So it's become kind of a fearful thing in the whole breast cancer oncology thing on phytoestrogens. And when in fact, they probably could help women, but because of the fear of that small, small percentage that maybe they don't, um, we kind of stay clear of them. And nobody wants to just say, oh, go ahead and do them. They're safe. So it's, it's yeah. and, and I'm included. You know, I, I'm included in that. I'm like, well, I don't know. I need to get your okay by an oncologist. So I actually let the oncologist decide. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So I and take the little sense. cop out on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, in anything that we do, we have to use common sense, yeah. you know, and and look at quality of life and Absolutely. look at those odds. And, you know, anything in large doses, even yeah. great things can be bad of, for you. A handful of tasty edamame at happy hour probably isn't going to be no. trouble to tip us over the edge. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I, I, that's where I try to really, you know, talk sense, I guess, into you know, common sense into the patients that I talk with. I mean, obviously, walking, getting out of bed is risky. <laughs> you know, yeah. you could fall on the way to the bathroom, you know, but, but you know, you can't live your life in this fear state. Yeah. And so I guess that's what I try to tell people. Again, I'm not a doctor, but, but again, everything in moderation and, you know, knowing that there are potential risk in everything. Well, and what about no, that's, that's just a perfect point because if I have a woman that is doing everything else right, you know, she's, she's eating good food, she's exercising regularly, she has a positive mind, she's not overweight, she's really in a really great health place, a little bit of soy is not going to make or break her. Exactly. But if you have somebody that is, chemistry is, being messed up because of bad food, uh, negative attitude, um, the whole nine yards, a little bit of soy could just tip them over the edge. So it really goes back to that healthy living piece. And when you do that, you can add that little bit of soy. No, you shouldn't take three or 400 milligrams a day, but really it could be positive for you. What's interesting, if you look at the history of soy, women in Asian countries are eating three, four, five hundred milligrams of soy and half for years every day in their daily diet and have a really low incidence of breast cancer. And they actually did not even know what the word menopause was um, until they started eating some of the American diet. So, you know, when he really, well, yeah, get, right? they didn't even know what a hot flash was until they started oh, eating like us over there. And, and so it's, it's really interesting. So we do know that, that soy can be good for you. We do know that it really can help you. Um, but you have to be careful on your sources and you have to be, do things in moderation and you also have to do all the basic lifestyle things that have health, healthy for your healthy body. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. yeah. Another one that's kind of a, a, a confusing area is the black cohosh or cohash. Right, black cohosh is really very similar to soy in the lines of what it does. It's a um, weak phytoestrogen. It can give some really good um, symptom control: hot flashes, night sweats. Um, but again, there's always that kind of question. But it's interesting because some of the studies, just as in soy are showing that it could actually be breast protective. So unfortunately, we don't have all the answers here, so we just kind of need to keep a, you know open mind and um, do what's right for you. You know what I tell women? You're going to be fearful of taking black cohosh, but you want to you do it because of the hot flashes. I don't know if I'd do it. But if you, in your mind, listen to your body, listen to yourself intuitively, if you think, you know what, I'm not, I, I think black cohosh could be good for me, try it a little bit and see how it works for you. Yeah, sure. I can. Moderation. <laughs> yes, moderation is the key. 
Oh boy. Okay. So let's, how about knowing our triggers? Um, you know, do certain foods or beverages like trigger more uh, severe symptoms or hot flashes or? Yeah, they do. And actually it's different for everybody. So some people it's red wine and some people it's white. <laughs> oh, well, as long as it's wine, I guess it's okay. <laughs> know which ones work for you and stick with that one, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. And and some people can chew on jalapenos all day long and it's not going to bother them. And the next person, it really, really creates havoc when they just have any type of spicy food. Um, caffeinated beverages, uh, if any excessive sugar, I think really can trigger things. Um, and just, you know, not eating well, you know, having, going out for dinner and, you know, not knowing exactly what's in it at a restaurant, there might be something that could just trigger that. And especially when your body's so used to eating healthy and then you throw something at it that you're not used to, then it can really trigger hot flashes. Right, that's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. One of the biggest things I think that triggers hot flashes really is the stress response. So you will hear women that are working and they're in a meeting and it gets heated in a meeting and boom, hot flashes start. So it's really the stress (laughs) response of anything, whether it's emotional, physical, or anything, is going to create a hot flash. I like to use the phrase from the Fantastic Four, flame on. (laughs) (laughs) And it feels that way, too. I tell you, I remember those first, you know, when I first was going through menopause and just that feeling of just kind of comes up from the center of your being and it just like covers your I hated that. (laughs) I know. I um. I was, I think, 33 years old when I started treating women in menopause. And so 20 years later, when I started going through myself a couple years ago, I was like, are you kidding? Why weren't these women grabbing me by the shoulders and shaking me and saying, help me? (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. I had no idea it was as bad as it was. (laughs) it, It gets, yeah, it can get bad. So... All right, so again, I'm assuming when we talk about cortisol, we're talking about that lovely little place in the middle of our body that gets slow. Sharon and I are fluffy. both touching our tongues right now. It's visual aid. <laughs> well, I call myself a cortisol junkie because okay. I'm a workaholic, love to work, love to be busy. Uh, so I've my whole life, I swear, I've had cortisol pouring out of me. Uh, so it's really important to get that under control. And cortisol is the manage. Cortisol is the hormone that is managing your menopausal symptoms after your ovaries have given up on you. Whether it's natural menopause or breast cancer, your ovaries are done. No more help there. So it's really the adrenal glands that are kind of taken over the show now. And so whatever you can do to help your adrenal glands is going to help you feel better and actually protect you from things, um, in particular immunity issues and moods and energy. So I'm really a big proponent of looking at cortisol and what anything we can do to help that is a win-win. Okay, so tell me what that means, though. What, what, when you say manage your cortisol, I'm still like, I'm not sure I understand what that means. Okay, so lifestyle is the number one thing. 
Okay. So if you're eating a high sugar diet, sugar will actually increase your cortisol levels. Oh. Insulin levels increase your cortisol. So that is diet. Exercise. If you're over-exercising or under-exercising, your cortisol is being affected. So yeah. if you've never, yeah, if you've never heard the word over-exercise, there is truth to it. So oh, those are those high adrenaline junkies. <laughs> so there are people out there that love adrenaline fixes. And actually over time, and especially at menopause, that is not a good way to exercise. And so a lot of times I end up slowing exercise down for those adrenaline junkie exercises that are going into menopause. So more calming exercises, shorter periods of exercise, those are better than going out and doing high adrenaline or running uh, races for two hours at a time every mm-hmm. couple months and working out for them. It really is hard on your adrenal glands. And then, of course, the most common thing is stress. And that has to do with physical stress, emotional stress, environmental stress, such as toxins in our environment that we're exposed to. They create stress on our adrenal glands as well. Yeah. And when you talk about being like an adrenaline junkie, you know, even just being busy all the time, busy, 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 and, you know, running from here to there, I, I found myself um, camping this this summer. We got a little camper and we got it all set up and it was like, okay, now what do we do? I don't know how to camp. I don't know what to do with myself. And I was like, okay. Uh, what do I do? <laughs> and it was it was a very odd feeling. And so it kind of was that little wake up call, I guess, for me to go, hmm, I guess I need to learn how to do this. <laughs> so Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well I, I love that. I love that because I too I have a really hard time just okay, we're gonna go on vacation. Well what are we gonna do on vacation? <laughs> Yeah, I got to be doing something. Exactly. So anyway, well, we have to take a short break. So let me uh, uh, take us out to break now. And I just want to encourage callers. uh, If you're listening live, you're you're uh, if you're interested in this topic and you want to talk to us, uh, 866-472-5792. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states, giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking about early menopause with Rhonda Jolliffe and Chris Doctor, co founders of Rhonda NP. So, ladies, we were talking about um, cortisol management. Another area that we hear a lot of new interesting things about is coconut oil. And I'm fascinated to hear what your spin is on this because we, we seem to be seeing a lot of this in natural health. And what are your feelings on that? Well, I actually love coconut oil, and I usually tell my patients, have a jar in your kitchen, your bathroom, and your bedroom. Oh. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to hear about really- that. Yeah, it's a really great oil to cook with. It's the one oil that if you heat it up, it doesn't turn into a trans fat as readily as most other oils, such as olive oil and uh, obviously vegetable oils. But olive oil cannot actually go at a very high heat. So all we know, or we know that olive oil is really good for us, but I usually say save the olive oil for our salads and, and, and don't cook with that. Use coconut oil instead to cook with because it's really safe to cook with. It doesn't turn into that trans fat at a medium heat. And so that's the kitchen. Um, you can put it into your smoothies. It gives you a really good um, uh, medium chain fatty acid, which actually can help burn fat. And there's a recipe that's kind of cool too. If you are a coffee drinker, put a little coconut oil in your coffee and that's actually a really good plan for you in the morning. Wow. And in the bathroom... I I use it for a moisturizer. Moisturizer, removing your makeup, it's just a really healthy, awesome thing that is great for your skin, and it's healing to the skin even. So it's not just moisturizing, it actually heals the skin. And then in the bedroom, it's down to that old vaginal um, dryness and um, painful or uncomfortable intercourse. It's a really, really good lubricant, very good lubricant. So not only is it... <laughs> it actually is very healing to the tissues. So, so not only um, some of the things over the counter for va- vaginal lubrication can actually be irritating to the skin. Coconut oil won't do that. Well, now I can see why I need to go back to Costco and get that big jug because I always look at that and think, oh, my goodness, what are people doing with this? But obviously I can disperse it throughout my house and it's going to be fabulous. So thank you. 
That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, I had a friend that her husband actually buys that big jug. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> wow. You know, when we were on break, we were talking about, um, you know, we've been really concentrating a lot about hot flashes, but a lot of these these techniques and these things that you're talking about also are really uh, dealing with a lot of the other side effects of menopause, which anxiety, depression, uh, uh, insomnia. I know that's a biggie. You know, a lot of people talk about um, having a really hard time sleeping. So can you can you touch more a little bit more on those, Rhonda? Yeah, I can. You know, the um, just the lack of estrogen affects your sleep. It affects your moods. Uh, it affects your energy. Um, and so, again, if you can't do estrogen... To replace that, helping those adrenal glands back to that again is really important because the adrenal glands are really, that's our regulator of sleep. It actually, um, the circadian rhythm, if you've ever heard that, it controls our circadian rhythm. And so if you're so stressed out during the day, what happens is your cortisol are messed up throughout the day that they are then messed up throughout the night. So if you're one that actually falls asleep really well but wakes up between 2 and 4 and it's the same time every night, it's 3.10 in the morning and you're yep. wide awake, that's, and, and you hear this a lot, and that is adrenal. And so really getting those adrenal glands, again, um, getting those all balanced. And I'm a huge fan of adaptogen herbs for adrenal support. Adaptogen herbs are just what they're termed. They adapt to the environment. And what they do in our body is create a safe stress uh, um, place. So if you have a lot of stress, it will actually, adaptogen herbs help you handle stress. So there's a lot of herbs that fall in that category. And many of them will help you sleep. Um, and help your moods and help your energy. So I'm a huge fan of adaptogen herbs because they're really quite safe. And so we don't have to ever question, are they going to affect our estrogen levels? Because they really don't. They, they, they are protective and they actually are supportive. Mm, okay. What are some of your favorites? Are they things we'd recognize? Yeah, ashwa- have you heard the word ashwanga? Yes. Ashwanga is one of my favorites. Holy basil, another one of my favorites. Tulsi is another word for that. Rhodiola is a herb that I usually recommend during the day. Gives you a little bit more energy. And then the ashwanga, holy basil in the evening. Those are more calming. Ginseng, you've obviously heard of that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yep. Cordyceps, licorice root. These are all adaptogen herbs that you can find, and you can actually get them in blends where you'll get two or three of the herbs in, in the same blend. And one of my favorite ways to get adaptogen herbs is medicinal teas as well. So going to a really good tea shop that can actually mix these up for you, awesome way to get them. Yeah, that's fabulous. And so I know there's other like estrol creams and there's other things that you can do too. So is that something that you recommend or is that one of those controversial things? Well, estrol cream in itself shouldn't be um, controversial, but it is just because it's got the word 
of an estrogen in it. Right, right, right. Um, but again, <laughs> again, I know, I know. I mean, really, if you if you look at the data out there on estriol cream, it's very safe. Estriol in itself is in our in our bodies. Estriol is our our estrogen that protects our breast and our vaginal tissue. So it's really more breast protective than anything. Um, but for the case of vaginal dryness, using some vaginal estriol cream, really, it's going to the vaginal area. It's not getting absorbed. I mean, there probably is a slight chance that just a tiny little bit would get absorbed. But again, it's it should be more protective. So in my book, it shouldn't be such a controversy, but it is. And to be honest, I do not prescribe it in women with breast cancer um, that is estrogen receptive, unless I get an okay by their oncologist. Okay, okay. But and what's that's just because the world we live in. In Europe, the studies in Europe, they're doing estriol all the time, even in women with breast cancer. Are they? Okay, all right. Yeah. And and Thermiva, is that how you pronounce it? Thermiva. Thermiva, okay. Pres- yep. Yep, that's actually a new procedure for vaginal rejuvenation. Oh, <laughs> I don't okay. Know if you've heard that term before, but um, what that is is that's actually a procedure that's done in the office, and it's radio frequency um, that goes to the vaginal area and it regenerates the tissue. So it's not affecting estrogen. It's not doing any of that. It's re- it's actually building up the tissue in the vaginal wall so it becomes thick and it kind of goes back to your tissue prior to menopause. So it's working really well for vaginal dryness, um, pain with intercourse, and it actually, because it tightens up the skin in the vaginal area and it tightens up the external area, it's really helping for some urinary incontinence as well. Oh, that's a that's a definite plus, too, because I know a lot of times as we get older, some of that slips a bit. <laughs> yeah, and that has to do with estrogen. It, it really does. So you'll see that as well in breast cancer women complain of some urinary and bladder issues also. Okay. I had a question along these lines, and that's involving insurance. I, I noticed that as time's gone by, the insurance companies are getting a little bit more open-minded about covering some of these issues that women have. Are you seeing them a little more responsive to, to uh, taking these on as, as treatments versus saying that they're something that's just extra and, and not something that they're going to cover? Well, if anybody will listen to me on that, I'd sure be open to talk. (laughs) You've got plenty to say about it, I bet. (laughs) I do have a lot to say about it because sometimes some of these things, they're quality of life issues. They're not treating something, but they're quality of life issues, and so they're not covered by insurance. But in my book, when you're dealing with a woman and it's a quality of life issue, that is extremely important. And this is a quality of life issue, this Thermiva treatment. It's a really huge issue for me, um, listening to women and how the intimacy now has changed up and above the whole thing of breast cancer. Now their relationships are changing. So this is sad. This is sad. So this is a quality of life issue that really insurance companies need to look at it as just that, and that is part of our overall health. You know, and I, I firmly believe that if men had hot flashes, they would have <laughs> none of these problems. It would all be covered by insurance, and there'd be a magic pill. But <laughs> did you say this was over at noon? 
we can talk a long time on that topic, couldn't we? Yeah, that could, that's, that opens up a book for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and before we lose uh, sight of the time that we have, uh, we really want to talk about um, how we can get a hold of you and all of that. We've got... Um, probably five, six minutes left in our show. And uh, so we want to make sure that that people understand what you're doing at Rhonda uh, NP and how we can reach you. Well, I'm going to have well, Chris take that one on because she speaks so well in that area. <laughs> well, right, we, thank you. you know, this is a new, thank you so much, Rhonda. This is a new uh, endeavor for us. Rhonda MP is just, just born here about six months ago, but the concept really, Rhonda's been thinking about this for years, and the thing she wanted to do is she saw the great need of, you know, treating 10 women a day in her clinic. That's just not enough. Um, I, I'm 51, and I've gone through menopause, and when I was going through it, uh, I was in a high-powered, big job, and I literally, the wheels fell off, and um, I was thinking I had all terrible disease or something was happening, you know, between anxiety um, and my hot flashes, and just I had brain fog so bad I couldn't even speak to my team without, you know, becoming nervous and anxious, and that is just not like me for anybody who knows me, and so this kind of all came together, and Rhonda's idea was let's let's do something bigger. Let's let's really get out there and educate women. And and the thing that is so poignant to me as we've talked here today is just the basic understanding of hormones and how they interact with our body and what they do. And during menopause, you know, we talk about we are always as women understanding our estrogen and progesterone and getting pregnant or not getting pregnant, but gosh, during menopause, we don't know what the hell's going on. And so really (laughs) what Rhonda and P aims to do is twofold. Really, it's that deep education and empowerment piece uh, for women. Um, You know, I have a history of working in the breast cancer field, and the biggest thing that I loved was empowering women. And I Mm -hmm. feel like this with menopause, we can turn the tide. People don't even want to talk about menopause. And it's almost like breast cancer was in the 80s where you didn't even say cancer or breast. We really want to peel the curtain back and say, this is a time of really celebration. You're feeling like you're losing a lot of things, but you're gaining so much more. And we, we really want to empower and educate women that way. So the way to really get a hold of us is to look at our website, which is rondanp.com, and get on our mailing list. And we have a lot of free tools and downloads and, and things that we're doing right now. We are, we've just launched a podcast. We're just starting a podcast. Ooh, podcast. how fun. Yeah, so we're, we're stoked about that. And then um, the big thing we're doing is in early 2017, we are going to have a, our first um, online uh, e-learning course, which um, people can sign up for and really get a deep dive into menopause and how they are really in control of this time and just become educated. You know, when we become educated, we really, really deeply understand the connection between our activities and the outcome. And I think during menopause, we want to offer that to women as a time to take control, to really live your best life now. Because you're, yeah. you know, in your 50s, you got it together. Your body's yeah. kind of freaking out, but you, you <laughs> those dots for women, and that's really what we aim to do. Yeah, well, I hate to break this off. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up this show. Um, we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there's always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.